Part ten of the Blue Review, Volume One, Number One, edited by John Middleton Murray. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. General Literature by Frank Swinnerton. The Final Word. It is a clear sign of the death of the Victorian spirit that so many of our younger critics should now be saying the final word about its various exemplars. Mr. Chesterton, in a brilliant and wonderful book, The Victorian Age in Literature, Williams and Norgate, One Shilling Net, has run off a strangely simplified list of great names with characteristic elan. Another much-abused book has recently dealt discouragingly with the literature of the nineties, and an anthology of Victorian verse has shocked both poets and precisians by its daring extension of the Victorian era to our own day. All sorts of monographs upon the Victorian writers, artists and notabilities are appearing, and it is noticeable that, for the most part, they reveal a resolve that this new Georgian age should really begin clear of all muddled notions of its amorphous predecessor. Mr. Lascelles Abercrombie, who has already enriched the new age with eloquent poetry, has discovered in Mr. Thomas Hardy the one novelist who has raised his craft to the level of the major arts. Thomas Hardy, a critical study, Secker, seven shillings and sixpence net. He has introduced his proposition with a fable, in which man's surplus imagination rather vaguely demands of art the complete expression and exercise of those inmost desires which in ordinary experience are by no means to be completely expressed. He elaborates the idea of man's need, and appears thereby to have given art a definition, which, however, is not the case, for the book, by saying what need art satisfies, completely avoids saying what art is. It may be questioned in this connection whether art is not a stimulus to man's imagination rather than an employer of waste energy. Mr. Abercrombie has a very vigorous intellect, and his book is distinguished by a sense of form which gives it unique value in Mr. Secker's handsome series. I cannot help regretting, therefore, that his parade of intellectual dignity and philosophic reasoning puts difficulties in the reader's way, and that he should have been tempted into developing a theory of the novel which is appropriate only to Mr. Hardy. It does not seem to me any good to make a theory out of Mr. Hardy's novels simply in order momentarily to rank the novel with the other arts. It is surely the critic's function to inquire into the nature of that which is, I mean in formulating a general proposition, and not to seek to found an art on a purely arbitrary metaphysical basis. Mr. Abercrombie's present theory, however logical, tends to exalt one man and his method over all other methods whatsoever. Mr. Hardy is a rural novelist. The English novel on the whole is urban, and urban life is more complex, and in a way, less seizable than country life. Its characteristics are less positive. If our urban novelists are less imposingly rigid in their metaphysic than Mr. Hardy, it is not because they are timid. It is because their material, being diffused, does not permit truthfully of such simplicity of form as Mr. Hardy's. When an artist is ridden by his metaphysic so that it becomes a tyrant rather than an interpreter, his art is the less perfect. Mr. Abercrombie, 
bent upon establishing a declared philosophic basis for art is inclined to subdue this fact because his own sympathy lies in the direction of austere classical determinism but he should not write as though the accident of mr hardy's situation was a condition of art for most of his particular criticism i have nothing but admiring appreciation it seems to make worth while the sheer intellectual effort which at times is necessary in order to understand some of the rather portentous writing and it should be recognised that the book is by far the best appreciation of mr hardy that has appeared it is a book which defies the ordinary kind of kick-and-run review both by its profundity and its highly emphatic pride in unusual possessions mr abercrombie has not much to say about the victorians he is content to refer to the spirit of the time but mr martin wood georges du maurier the satirist of the victorians chateau seven shillings and sixpence net is very pointed and frequent in his allusions as becomes the biographer of a satirist to mr wood it seems desirable to describe the victorian age as one of sentiment as one without humour and without vulgarity it was impossible according to mr wood for a victorian to be an artist and accordingly the real artists of the time sought their inspiration outside the town and the age mr wood himself is clearly entitled by many congenial sympathies to write about du maurier and the book is very entertaining as well as very inclusive du maurier does not represent a particularly victorian attitude of amused shrewd tolerance of many things which in our own age to the rebuttal of the charge of frivolity produce more violent emotions he tolerated sentimentality because he indulged in it he laughed at the social ambitions of the newly rich because he neither resented nor feared their intrusion upon himself he admired the victorian conception of gentility because it embodied the victorian hybrid of chivalry and utilitarianism and like all the victorians except dickens who was a common man with passionate sympathies his humour often indulgently displayed itself in polite facetiousness and especially in his novels in a sort of tender benignity which is not calculated to survive the victorian age all this is illustrated and aptly hit off in mr wood's book which has large claims upon the public mr wood has seen du maurier kindly and microscopically and he is good at exposition and commentary his writing is rather like that of dainty old letters in faint ink scrupulously small with what might seem an anxious dread of being commonplace the outcome although both generous and enthusiastic is studiously moderate and is contained in a long and rather charming series of modest happy thoughts at times when showing his sympathy with du maurier's preference for joyous pleasant things mr wood becomes merely silly as when he says it seems to have been left for modern artists to grow wealthy and live comfortably upon the proceeds of their own relation of the world's despair if they are playwrights to live most snugly upon the box receipts of an entrapped audience unnerved for the struggle of life by their ghastly picture of life's gloom he becomes on page one hundred and twenty one very victorian indeed by proclaiming by way of emphasis that summer is as great as winter 
but elsewhere he very prettily expresses himself upon a host of other things and really shows the perception that we should expect from his gentle emphatics it is some sort of reflection upon the impermanence of dumouriez's serious art that the illustrations to harry richmond make the reader uncomfortable the novel seems in recollection so much richer than these drawings which belong pathetically to a period of low artistic vitality it is in reading mr r h gretton's modern history of the english people grant richards two volumes seven shillings and sixpence net each that we see some explanation of this low vitality harry richmond was published in eighteen seventy one and according to mr gretton it was several years later that a new spirit was infused into art at first the newly endowed middle class was bent only upon something different with the results that the victorian theories as for example in street decoration were succeeded by a passion for rococo effects the middle class allowed itself to be told that many of its surroundings were ugly and it substituted for them others of a different taste with exactly the same superficial attention william morris was roused to fury not by blank impenetrability on the part of the middle class but by the quality of its susceptibility which in fact showed no truer idea but only a fresh misunderstanding it hastened to become artistic without any real new vision like any eager well-intentioned person who hastens to execute instructions before he has grasped them so for a time the eighties showed confusion but they were better than the seventies because they were actually in turmoil however mistaken and in the seventies the particular mid-victorian flow of energy had dwindled while the diverse energies of the final quarter of a century were not yet apparent it would not be possible to do anything like justice to mr gretton's book in the present chronicle because it is the history of a busy time very much compressed and very intricate it does not compare with the late justin mccarthy's history of our own times for the reason that it is more comprehensive more incisive and more expert mccarthy was a political journalist who wrote fluently about the things in which he was interested mr gretton is a critic who in four hundred and fifty pages has described the extraordinary tumult of eighteen years from eighteen eighty to eighteen ninety eight when the second and concluding volume of his book appears i shall hope to return to it meanwhile we may perhaps glance at a sentence from his preface germane to our present subject mr gretton writes the death of queen victoria closed an epoch but the new epoch was to throw light upon that which preceded it now it will have been noted that mr gretton's book is to survey the history of england up to the year nineteen ten it would not be very daring to suggest that by that year the various forces of the victorian age were either exhausted or so clearly defined as to throw the entire period into relief the result has been shown in the books published since nineteen ten we have a tolerably clear series of concurrent activities in the arts some of which have grown powerful after long silent preparation some of which are due simply to a consciousness of untrammelled youth with these active movements towards the manifestations of a new contemporary art there has come the critical activity 
which leads those at the beginning of a new era to examine the corpses of ancient energies by the light of distinct and prejudiced intelligence criticism of the victorians has been victorian it is now something else before now it has said in a victorian phrase we are still too near now we can accept mr chesterton's critical nonconformity and mr abercrombie's philosophistry and mr wood's quietly mannered epigraphs in the sanely critical spirit of mr gretton's analysis of forces and tendencies and the development is all to the good because the variety in critical standards no less than the variety in creative methods is in all probability a proof of new and sanguine vitality End of part 10